Hey, one more thing before you go. Have you ever wondered what happens when you die? Can angels help your loved one to transition into heaven? What do you do if your house is haunted? How about if you have a psychic child? These are many, many questions we need to get answered. So stay tuned. We're going to have two where you're going to have answers to these questions and more when we have the ghost helper on the show. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Tina Irwin. She's also known as the Ghost Helper. Her mission is to teach the living how to help the dead. She wants to empower everyone to help any ghost they may find. Tina has studied metaphysics all of her life, gaining insight into the mystical world of magic and spirituality. She's the author of eight books on metaphysics. Her writing comes from an intense desire to know and understand the hard sciences behind the unseen world of action and reaction combined with a sincere desire to share this understanding with other knowledge seekers. I'm excited about this conversation. Her lifelong studies into the deeper meaning of events and actions were further enhanced by the experience of a dynamic 20-year career in the U.S. Navy, working for the submarine force, retiring in the commander level. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. I am thrilled to be here. I am ecstatic about what you have come up with uh, um, within your life. I think that you have an amazing background and uh, what you've been able to uh, present to the world in regard to helping the, um, we'll say loved ones or anybody that we, uh, that we know to, to kind of cross over. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love the opportunity to share information with people that gives them their power back in some really unusual situations. You know, it, it's, it, uh, you and I have dealt with death in, in many, many ways, yes. you know, uh, uh, you with your new career here and, uh, me as a law enforcement officer, uh, both personally and professionally, I dealt with death on a number of occasions, including ones that, uh, unattended deaths and suicides and homicides and things like this, that, that, you know, we get to see, I won't say see, we are part of an experience with exactly. individuals that have passed on where we were either the last one that they saw and or we were the, the one that had to deliver the news to a loved one about them passing. So I do understand where you're coming from. I respect it immensely that you that you provide a service that uh, kind of helps us as individuals and humanity uh, to be able to get some closure. It is my pleasure. And I, I feel if people could understand the, the pure physics behind what I'm sharing, then a lot of the airy fairy mystical would would it's like having it burn away with the morning sunlight. That's what I'm hoping for. Very cool. Well, I, I, I can't wait to share what your wisdom, your experience and everything, everything you bring to the table. Um, let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina and I grew up in Greensboro actually. And we lived on the site of, uh, old Indian, uh, living grounds. They weren't burial grounds. They were living grounds. And it was, that part was interesting. We'd find arrowheads and, 
North Carolina is a fabulous place to grow up. It's a beautiful state. And, um, and I went to college. I graduated from UNC at Chapel Hill in North Carolina, and um, no one would hire me. This is in the 70s. And, and I remember the Navy recruiter being on campus, and I, I thought, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life as a martyr fighting for equal rights. They have to pay you the same, you know? Yep. So I applied for the Navy and this amazing master chief petty officer, because you couldn't go to the academies. I had a degree in industrial relations and management and I minored in psychology. And this guy walked my application through the Pentagon. So I was the first female officer from the state of North Carolina in seven to 10 years. He said that they just never had one. So. You know, I go to New London, Connecticut, meet my husband the first day I'm there, still married to the guy 49 years later. And we, my husband uh, is a submariner and I started working for the submarine force, you know, when I was 22 and I worked at supervisor shipbuilding, conversion and repair at electric boat division. And I receded for all 688, 688 class new construction submarine crypto gear. So I worked in and out of a shipyard and mostly they, they didn't know what to do with me because women officers were so rare working for the submarine force at that time that I, I was an anomaly. And my husband and I were one of the very first female married couples in the Navy. That's outstanding. I, I think that, I mean, we had a little bit of a conversation prior to us uh, airing, you know, the, the episode here. Um, and uh, it, it is a difficult journey for a woman within the military, and a lot of things have changed for the positive. And I think you were one of the very few that opened that door. So thank you for doing that. Oh, I, I, I found it, yes, it was really hard. But along the way, there were the most amazing men who went out of their way to be helpful to me. Not in some weird sexist way, but just general genuinely truly fine men officer and enlisted i i never had to look far and there was someone wonderful there to help me that's fantastic I, that is a, in today's society i think that that's an you know that's a very impressive uh, attribute to be able to have on your side in in uh, that's very cool i'm glad they did that <coughs> excuse me do you have any brothers or sisters i have um two brothers and a sister, and we all took different paths, which sort of what got me into metaphysics, which is an excellent question, by the way. Uh, you asked me about my siblings. I couldn't figure out why we were all so different. We had the same parents. And we all were radically different personalities. And so I started studying, well, what makes us different? Is it order? Is it is it birth order? Is it sex? Is it astrology? So I started studying Linda Goodman's sun signs. And when I was eight, I started really started studying really early. I guess I figured I had a lot to learn this lifetime. So in studying astrology, I realized how you could understand another person if you were to look at when they were born, for instance. If you're dealing with certain personalities, you can't hit them head on. Some personalities are fiery and some are much more down to earth. And if you could adjust how you related to them based on a little bit of their astrology, you might find you could adjust your management styles to be a 
a better teammate in an office setting. And I found that worked remarkably well over over the 20 years I was in the Navy. And I really love the Navy. And you started this, at what age did you start this? Eight. I started Eight? reading. I thought you said, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to understand it. And then I, I spent a lot of time under trying to understand what happens after death. I mean, if I got into trouble in school, because if energy is neither created nor destroyed, which is a law of physics, what happens to the energy after you die of the, yeah. the animation, the, the chatterbox or the introvert, what happens? And I, I spent a lifetime studying that and I got into a lot of trouble because I would ask those questions of clergymen and I'd ask them of school teachers and, and I didn't care if I got in trouble. The question deserved being asked. You know, I, I, it's interesting because the, I think we all ask that question. We want to know what happens when we die. Where do we go? Yeah. You know, we cease to exist. Do we cease to exist? Do we go to a black hole or do we go back to an energy in another dimension? Um, I, you know, in studying uh, Buddhism and Zen and, you know, a multitude of religions and philosophies, you know, they all have some aspects that say we re can reincarnate the way on different levels where we take steps to get to the final level and in in this case we have to learn each time we come back so i mean there's a lot of um introspect as to what happens after we die uh <coughs> excuse me um can we talk can we do can we delve into that what happens when we die what happens when we die is is a lot a lot of it's predicated on what you believe to be going to happen is you're basically your belief system some people believe we become compost and they're really quite surprised some people have no belief system whatsoever because they're really busy with life and anything spiritual is is kind of out of their out of their realm and so consequently they don't know but what does happen is it's a mechanical process. And there's a wonderful book written by Sogyal Rinpoche called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And it's a remarkable book. I was so impressed with it, I used to sleep with it. And the Tibetans give you probably the best description of the entire process of death, where all of the body systems shut down. And this happens whether you die in an instant or you have a long lingering death. The process is always the same all the body systems shut down. It's like you're going in and you're turning out the lights and you turn out the lights in the mortal frame, but the energy that is you, that light doesn't ever go out. And you are connected to your body by something called a silver cord. You had a life before you were in that body. So you're going to return to the life, that life after you exit the body. And the individual soul, and it's interesting, that's why I wrote a grief book. As soon as someone dies, we immediately separate body and soul as if we know, we know at the core level that the soul lives on. So the silver cord becomes cut and that's when death comes. And we exit the body basically, basically through the crown. And the silver cord is in the heart. And that's where all of your memories are stored the seed atom of the soul is where all of that takes place. And you take those memories, those experiences with you. It's the whole point of mortal life are the experiences you live every single day. And that's what you take with you. That is your Akashic record. 
and the Akashic Record is built on all the people you've ever known, the places you've been, the things you touched. And that goes back to the physics of string theory and quantum entanglement because we are we have cords that attach us to all those things. When we die, all of those cords are cut. That is the silver cord. And then we exit the body in a different form. And we move from the third dimension, which is the conversation we're having, time, space, gravity dimension. And we move to a fourth dimension. And I, I liken it to a step up transformer. I'm gonna move back because the sun's kind of bright. It, you move up to the fourth dimension because it's a step up transformer where your frequency, which is somewhat low in the mortal frame, becomes higher in the fourth dimension. But that's where the problem becomes because a lot of people discover themselves in this fourth dimension and a couple of things happen. If you know you're dead, you are clueless and have no idea what to do. Well, let's say that you don't know you're dead. How do you know you're dead? You keep talking to people, but people aren't responding to you. And so you go along as if everything is still the same, but nothing is the same. And if you see a light, like the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, a movie from the 90s. Love that movie. It's a really accurate film because the light came for him and he chose not to go into the light. And this was a fascinating study for me because if that light comes and that is the light that takes you to the fifth dimension or the heaven world, it's really important. And a lot of people don't go into that light because they feel they're not worthy or oh, that couldn't be for me. I don't believe in any of that. Well, or is that a Christian light? Is that a Buddhist light? Is that a Jewish light? I'm sorry, there is no religion in the afterlife. There's just an existence and then there's God in the heaven world. And that light represents the most beautiful, fabulous healing element and a place of forgiveness, forgiveness and knowledge and hope anyone could ever possibly imagine. When you go into that light, the glory of love that envelops you, which is one of the lines from the movie Ghost, oh, you can't imagine the love is what Patrick says. And that is very true. But if you don't know you're dead, and I'll give you an example, my brother worked for uh, Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood, one of my brothers. And he called me frantic. He says, oh, a friend of mine is a producer. Was uh, She was on her phone, it was hit and run, and I can feel her. She doesn't know she's dead. Can you just cross her over? And I said, sure. And I, I do something called remote viewing. So it doesn't matter where I am. I can find the person through the right. Yaka cord that connected my brother to that producer. That's how I found her. And I sort of appear to her and, and I had to explain to her that she died. And this was her very mortal reaction. Oh, no, no, I can't possibly be dead. You don't understand. I have a meeting with Paramount next week and I have a birthday party on Saturday and I'm getting my nails done tomorrow. So you don't understand. I can't be dead. And we're so, we don't stop being who we've always been. 
even though the mortal body is is there she didn't choose to see it we don't stop our personality doesn't change because we're dead we are the same and so with a a lot of kindness and i brought in a big angel to assist her and i had her walk to the other side and she said but everyone will miss me and i said i'm so sorry i'm so sorry at that point the soul needs enormous kindness gentleness and compassion so that's kind of what happens when you die <laughs> well i mean it, it's i mean it's a brilliant you know uh, view uh, from the inside out and i appreciate the way that you explained it because we all have that question. My father-in-law, my wife's uh, father, um, he died of uh, Lewy body dementia, and uh, he he thought when you died, it just went to a black, just nothing but a black abyss. You don't go anywhere; nothing happens. Um, he was a very religious man, um, even though his family was. For some reason, he walked away from that when he was a child, and uh, you know, to him, when we were talking to him before he passed. Um, he was asked, "Do you want? Would you like a priest? Would you like a pastor? Would you like somebody to come in?" And he'd go, "No, because we're just I'm just going to a black area anyway, so it really doesn't matter." But ironically enough, when he was passing, right before he would pass, he was seeing um, his grandparents, who he, he had a fantastic relationship with. He had a very bad relationship with his father, so you know he didn't bring up his father at all, but. He brought up and was talking to us. We walked into the room. We heard him talking to somebody. He was talking to his grandparents. He mm -hmm. said, oh, it's my grandpa here and my grandma, and there's my aunt right there, and had those conversations. Do you think that that, that is something that we all can experience? I absolutely think it's something that we can all experience. And a lot of people are ready for death. And they are looking forward to seeing all these personalities that grace their lives and that they miss so much. And, and sometimes people's pets meet them. I mean, we, we've all had a series of animals that, that brought us so much love and, and, and hope that when you cross over, you can have them meet you too. And I, and I talk about crossing over, it's, it's like a light bridge. But you have to make that that crossing. And this is discussed in the 23rd Psalm. For those Christians among us who feel like this can't be true, I would offer them to look at the 23rd Psalm, which, by the way, exists in some form in every faith on the planet. People think it's just a Christian Psalm. It is not. It exists globally. Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is the fourth dimension. I will fear no evil. Well, that evil is some very dark things there. For thou art with me, reminding each of us to remember that God is with us. I rod and thy staff comfort me. It's like they those things lead the way. We get to go home. It's just a beautiful concept. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, that's what happens when you're crossing into that beautiful, beautiful light. The hardest thing for me is dealing with children. Children have not a clue what to do when they die. And our job is to help them. That is the mission, is to help them. 
Yeah, that, that's an interesting approach to that because I think children, I mean, even though, uh, I need to ask this, do you believe that we reincarnate? Oh, absolutely. The, the evidence of reincarnation is staggering. I mean, I, every I day. I mean, I can look at a group of people and you can, you can walk into someone's home and look at their past lives by the art on the walls. Right. You I, can I think, see if, if, if they have an aversion to something, something happened in a past life. I agree with that. I agree with that. Or deja vu, like I've exactly. been here before. Or knowing before. somebody that you just met, but really going, wow, I know you. Exactly. I think, you know, I think we've met in the past. And they're going, no, no, I'm not sure. And you kind of go, I really think I met yeah, you in yeah. the past. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it, I think that, you know, children, uh, I've, I've been fascinated with um, stories of uh, where children have been reincarnated and they start at a very young age to start having these uh, dreams or these nightmares when they died and they can describe things and they can say, I was a, a, a World War II pilot and I was flying this kind of a plane and this was where it happened and this is where the crash happened. They yeah. describe it immensely and then the parents validate that and they say, oh, well, there was a plane crash during this. It was this, it was that. And mm -hmm. there was an individual like this and they lay out a thing of pictures I'm, I'm looking, there's the Italian in me. I'm doing that down here. <laughs> yeah. They lay out uh, a series of pictures and they go, well, that was me right there. And they point this person out and then they validate that that person died being shot down in a plane at that location where the kid said. It's amazing. It, it gives you, at least to me, it gave me the opportunity to say, wow, we have another chance or an opportunity to come back down here, even though we may be leaving now. We have an opportunity to come back and do it again, which I think is a brilliant, a, a brilliant way that life gives us more opportunity. And hope. And hope. My brother died, my, my Hollywood brother died in 2017. And as he was flatlining, I crossed him over. And I had, he had a glorious reception. He was a remarkable man. Was, everyone adored him. And my grief was significantly less because I got to cross him over. I know where he is. Yeah. I could feel the tremendous love he was experiencing as he crossed over. It's, it's kind of a dicey thing for me because it's so amazing. You, you have to remind yourself, you still have a job to do here. <laughs> it's not your turn. <laughs> it's there's so much love. I, I guess I we're so afraid of death. And I would offer people that it's just it's just a transition through another door. And there's so much love if you keep going into that light, no matter who you are, whether you think you're worthy. I've met some super Christians, ministers who said they weren't worthy of God's love. And my, my answer is that God loves every one of us, period. To, it's not for us that. to judge that. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. It, it, it is my, I have to be careful how I say this. I'm a recovering Catholic because I, I was part of the Catholic church as I grew up. And they were very strict in certain areas. And when my parents got divorced, my mother wasn't allowed to go to church to communion. So we as the children weren't allowed to go to church to communion. 
even though the divorce wasn't our fault. So I made some decisions to walk away from that. But I wholeheartedly 100% believe in God. I believe in the universe. I believe we're all connected. I believe that we all are interlaced at some point in our lives. And I believe in angels. And I'm, I'm, bring, I'm bringing this up for a reason. I believe in angels. Uh, I talk to my angels every day. Uh, I believe in guardian angels. I think we can reach out to them. They have helped us immensely. On my job, my old job, you know, I had an angel on my shoulder several times. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. So it, within that, within that, how do you feel angels play a part in all of this? I feel that every person on earth has the capacity to ask for an angel. Capacity is the wrong word. Has an opportunity, opportunity. is a better word, to request that an angel help a person who has died, you can ask for an angel to help your children. I mean, I'd always feel when my teenagers were learning to drive, I would always fill the car with angels. Yeah, you know, doesn't hurt. You can bring in an angel if you're having an argument, you can fill the room with angels if you're having a really um, uh, an unfortunately angry board meeting or something. And you can always ask it's a function of remembering. And I, I wrote a book called The Crossing Over Prayer Book because, you know, if, if I were abducted by aliens tomorrow, <laughs> other people that, need to know how to another, do this. We're going to have another conversation <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> other people need to know how to do this. It can't just rest with me. It has to be shared. So that's what this book is about. And, and routinely, every prayer that crosses over someone, there's the main crossing over prayer, which works on every occasion, but I did tailor it for murder, suicide, death of a child, mass, um, a mass situation, like Vegas, mass violence situation, and, and, or a flood or a casualty. And in every single prayer, there is a request that angels guide this person or persons to the heaven world. And it says right now, <clears throat> because there are no there's no time in the fourth dimension where all these souls are residing. Time stops for them. They never change the clothes they're wearing. And when you can offer them the brilliance and the warmth that an angel brings, that flash of that smile, when an angel smiles on a soul that has suffered or is afraid or is bewildered, I wish I could convey to your listening audience what it feels like a lot of people a lot of people literally reach up to touch the face of the angel and the smile that is returned to the soul it's like this electricity of warmth and peace and love fills that soul and it lifts them up on a spiritual level beyond anything I can humbly describe. You know, it, when it, I, I understand that. I, I really do. Like I said, I have been very, very lucky, and I'm very grateful that I've reached out to angels on a number of occasions, including every time that I've gone into an operation, you know, that um, they were with me, and I felt that, and I felt it when I come out. 
So very wise of you. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's you know it is um, in a, in a very warming, intense feeling, and like I said, from my own personal experience, and I believe that uh, they were there throughout the whole the whole uh, surgery, for example. Um, but they also were with me on different instances when I walked into a dark building, or you know when I had to go into a building that was on fire and evacuate somebody. I always asked for a little help, and I always received it. It was never failing every time that I asked for it. So I just want to validate some of what you were saying that they're there. You just have to ask. You have to reach out. And if you don't ask, you know, you 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 lose out on opportunity. I think if you just don't ask, what do you think these angels still show up with? And this may be a very convoluted question. If like my father in law, for example, he didn't he didn't believe anything in the afterlife. He thought it's just a black, you know, a black void. Do you think angels show up even for people that are experiencing that? Well, let me digress slightly. When you move from the mortal frame to the fourth dimension, it's like taking off a coat. It just lays there. And then you're still standing there. And now you don't really understand where you are. You have to ask for angels. They don't just show up unless you're somebody really special. And then they're with you all the time anyway. It's just you've changed your resonance. All of this about is about resonant frequency. So you enter this place that's now not black. It's a little bit gray, depending on your frequency. In God's universe, everything is frequency. Everything is a math problem. Everything is vibration. And that is a very, very important point because when you die, it's your frequency at death that makes a big determination on what happens after death. And when you discover that your body is not functioning anymore and you're out of it, ask for an angel. You can ask. And the point of the crossing over prayer is, or all the different prayers that are in that book is that you're asking for angels for that person on that person's behalf. You have the right to do that. And once this prayer is said, they are immediately crossed over. It's just, it, let's just say the prayer was offered to me to share with the world. And it's been beta tested all over the world, India and Europe and South America and Asia. And it, and it works every time. And the point is that if you are a serial killer, the angels are not going to just show up for you. Other beings show up and they're very, very horrible. And in, in the crossing over prayer book, there is a very specific prayer to cross over murderers. And people might think that why, oh, you should just let them suffer. They reincarnate and they kill again and again and again. And if you keep doing the same thing over and over and you're praying for a different result, it's not going to work. If you cross over murderers, the worst of the worst, if you cross them over, then what happens is they go to a place in the heaven world based on their frequency. In my father's house are many mansions. 
And when you have that opportunity, then you can review the life you just lived. God, he restoreth my soul. I'm going to use that statement as it applies to murderers. Every time a murderer dies and is not crossed over, parts of their soul are shaved off. Serial killers are born. There's no pill, potion, powder, or procedure that's going to change a serial killer. It's a psychosis. The only thing that helps that soul is crossing over so that that soul can be restored. It doesn't erase the karma of the person's, the soul's actions. It simply offers the soul a different opportunity to not be violent in the next life. Imagine what you could do in the future if murderers were all crossed over. It's an interesting question. You know, I, I obviously, as a career in law enforcement, I dealt with people that were murderers and it makes you wonder whether or not, and you, I mean, you could see, and when I say this, people may or may not understand this, you can look into their eyes. They say the eyes are the windows to the soul and you can see the darkness. Mm -hmm. Everyone I've, I've ever looked I've at in their eyes, you can mm -hmm. see the darkness you in their eyes. It. You can absolutely see it. And it is um, an eerie feeling. So I always wonder, I'm in religion as we grew up, I told you I'm, I'm a recovering Catholic. As we grew up, we were told about heaven and hell. And saying that if you're good, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you're a good person, and you get back, you go to heaven. And uh, if you're bad, and you lie, and you cheat, you steal, and you kill, and you murder, you're an adulterer, you go to hell. So well, there, hell must have a lot of priests in it. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> oh, touche. Yes. <laughs> uh, well said. Yes. Well said. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> um, so, do you, in, in, in the way that you just described that, does that eliminate the possibility of a hell or in that other place that somebody like a murderer goes to or a serial killer goes to or a child rapist goes to? Does the, or a rapist goes to? Does that um, it, uh, create an environment for them that is kind of like hell, or does hell exist? Hell. The problem with the Catholic Church is that they make it black and white: good and evil, heaven and hell. But human beings are, you know, like an old Macintosh, twenty-eight shades of gray. I mean, we are very complicated. We're fascinating and we're complicated. Brian Weiss is a, an MD psychiatrist. He's not a psychologist, he's a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And he has taken patients with incredible psychoses back through time and healed past life after past life. Mm -hmm. So if you are a person who reincarnates from the fourth dimension, and there are layer after layer after layer after layer after layer of the fourth dimension. And some of them are the darkest of the dark. And mm -hmm. I have removed souls from some of the darkest of the dark layers. They simply come back and they just kill again. So if you, if you execute someone or they die in a shootout or they die of cancer or whatever causes that murderer's death, the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Richard Specks, 
those people will simply reincarnate and do it again and again. And I had done enough past life regressions with people that the people who murdered them, murdered them life after life after life. Which and is very unfortunate that that is Which is horrendous. You know your murderer. In this life, they may appear to be a stranger, but you've known them from a past life. Right. And how do you change it, that cycle? That's really the point of the work that I'm offering anyone who's listening. And again, I'm grateful to you for this forum. If you cross over the worst of the worst and they go into the heaven world and we stop doing what we've always done, we do something completely different. I'm not directing you to forgive that person who murdered your daughter. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying cross that guy over because he will haunt the living. He will haunt the dead if they're not crossed over. And I will give you a really chilling example. This I had a, a woman contact me from upper state New York and her father was a murderer. He had he was a sociopath. He had no conscience whatsoever. And she it's horrifying to have a family member who's a murderer. In this case, this man was telling his daughter, who was a good person, that his to tell her to murder her child. She had a four-year-old little girl and he was, this man was so horrible. He was executed by the state of New York, as far as I understand it. And after this execution, he went back and haunted her daughter, haunted his daughter and told his daughter to murder her daughter, his granddaughter, murder your murder, my granddaughter. Let me see you do it. Let me see you do it. Well, he didn't cross over. He's not asking for angels. He is still haunting the living he was probably ricocheting and haunting the people he murdered and the families of the people he murdered and so she contacted me and she said will this will this work and i said you know i've never had your particular situation so let's try it she said can you just do it and i said well yeah i can do it but what about the power if you do it for the first time you've taken your power back from this really, really mean man, this horrific murderer. If you do this yourself and you take your power back from him for a thousand years, your life will be different. And so will his and everyone else he's, he's done. So she, and what makes this horrible for her is her little girl can hear her grandfather saying that she's to be murdered. And she hears this every day not cool not cool so the mom says the crossing over prayer i'm not present i'm not i i left it in her hands as an experiment what's the worst that can happen so she says the crossing over prayer over and over and i directed her to say it with force especially the parts where it says right now cross over into the heaven world right now and she did it over and over and over. And all of a sudden she felt a shift and her little girl looks at her and says, mommy, the bad man is gone now. That's brilliant. Actually. I think that, and, uh, she, and so she took her power back. I was right. thrilled. I was, I think that the opportunity that you gave her to 
to give her that power, to give her the strength, to give her the perseverance, the fortitude, the courage to do that, uh, I believe is a, a, a very positive thing for all of us that we, we can do if we're faced with the same situation. Do you, um, I mean, that's a great example. Do you think people, the old adage that um, somebody's here because they they uh, they need closure, they need something that they're they they not finished, or they have unfinished business, or something like that. Do you think that um, that cliche exists? Um, like I'm only here because I have unfinished business. I I need to, for example, my knock on wood. I don't plan on dying anytime soon, so. I'm going to put that out to the universe. <laughs> but I still need to walk my youngest daughter down the aisle. I walk my oldest daughter down the aisle. I want to walk my youngest daughter down the aisle. If for some reason I'm taken from this world prior to that, do you think my desire to do that would keep me here because I'm going to be here when she walks down the aisle? Well, it's entirely possible that you could have that conception. But... What happens is when a soul doesn't cross over or is crossed over, they are basically haunting the living and ghosts, which is what they are. I don't use spirits. Spirits are alcohol and we know what that does. It means that there is attachment and the attachment doesn't allow the living to move forward. And that attachment of the living, the living can haunt the dead by these black cords that wrap around ghosts. The dead haunt the living by wanting to be part of everything and, and sort of being there. The most powerful thing you can do is cross over. You'll still be able to know what's happening to her, right. but you will allow her to live a life without being haunted. Interesting and it's, perspective. it's, it's, you had your time on earth. It's time to cross over now. You will be able to provide far more assistance for her in the heaven world than you ever could as a ghost. It's just, there are counselors of divine wisdom that can assist you in helping family members so that what you're doing is karmically correct. Right. Do you believe in karma? Well, since I have... I have two books out on karma. I would say, I actually have three books out that talk about karma. I would say absolutely yes. I, we're going to talk about those books in a little bit here, by the way. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I think that. Uh, do you? Let me see. How can I? How can I phrase this question? Um, do you believe that karma comes back and bites us in the butt? Well, I believe in physics. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. That is a basic law of physics. I didn't make it up. It's a physics law. That law is inviolate. So if you have worked your whole life to do good things for others, you've, you've risked your life for others, that goodness has to come back to you. That's not biting you in the butt that is enabling you to be of even more service in the future which expands your karmic vistas so we can have Not good karma and bad karma you can have mitigated karma 
you know, have good, it's again, it's not black and white. Right. We are multifaceted. We're like the most remarkable diamonds. We have many, many facets and there are many, many ways to facet a diamond. It's not just one way. Right. And karma comes back to us based on our actions. I mean, if right. you, if you pay attention, I mean, the easiest way to look at karma is children, children are karma in action. If you have your teach your children to cook or to work on a car or to be self-sufficient, that comes back to you. The best thing I ever did was teach my kids to cook, you know, or, or hand my cars over to my oldest son. And he's a, he's a master mechanic today. I'm really proud of him. His, he can fix anything. He's amazing. And, and, and my daughter is incredibly efficient and none of my children need me. None of them need me. Well, at least in that aspect, they always need their mom. Well, they don't need me. We now have an adult to adult relationship where we are sharing things. And I am respectful that they are in their life experience and their journey. If they ask me for something, they might need me to help with something in that moment. But my children are not needy. They do not need me. They love me and the relationship we have. It's, I'm very definite about that. Very cool. I mean, not everybody not ever gets that opportunity. So that's really nice that you do have that opportunity for that. I do. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You made a comment in um, uh, some of your bio stuff that I had uh, read that the ghost seemed to just find you. How do how do they approach you? How do you how do you how does a ghost come talk to you? Do you knock on the door, knock on the window, tap you on the shoulder? Well, I have a lot of protocols in place, so they can't they can't get into my house anymore. <laughs> um, and I have I have so many protocols in place that I I'm kind of past that stage now because they as soon as they come come anywhere near me, they're crossed over. I mean, it's instant now. It took me a lot of years to put those protocols in place because I was, I've traveled all over the world and it becomes really cumbersome. So when it originally started, I could see them. I, you know, in um, one of my ghost books, I have a story about the Lieutenant's roommate and I, um, this Lieutenant and I, when we lived in Italy, we lived in Italy three years. Uh, she has a ghost living with her. He's her companion. I could see him in the corner. Apparently in her entire life, I'm the only one who did ever see him, but he didn't cross over. And I didn't know how to do that in the seventies. So I didn't learn that for quite some time. And I, I didn't know how to help her. And it, apparently at that point, it wasn't my job to help her, but he didn't, he didn't participate in soul evolution. And she wasn't either because she was stuck with a ghost, not with a mortal person. That was her experience. So I could physically see him. I did not have the, the challenge of seeing thousands of them all at the same time. I could see them occasionally. I could feel them and hospitals are the worst. Would come at me like this horde of, it's like a horde of, I hate to say insects, but they would just come at me and I would be reduced to jello on the floor. It was horrible. And it took me years to learn how to 
build a protocol that would help them because they're asking me to help. They're not trying to harm me, although I have had them try to harm me, um, but cross them over so that they would receive the help they needed and I would not be a quivering mass of, of crying jelly on the floor. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a, and one of my favorite movies is a, a movie called Ghost Town with uh, Ricky Gervais and Tay Leone. And I remember that one. Uh, he, it's a really good movie. You should watch it. Okay. He basically, he dies on the operating table and they bring him back. And of course, it's a comedy and a dramedy, we'll say. Um, because when he comes back, uh, all of a sudden he can see ghosts. And he doesn't quite understand it at first. And then once everybody kind of realizes that, oh, here's a new guy that can see us, here is this, he wakes up and the whole bedroom is completely full, yeah, wall to wall, happens. with all right. these people. And they, he kind of goes, what are you doing in my room? And everybody starts going, yeah, but I need this, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And he's kind of going, holy crap. And he gets dressed and runs out the door. <laughs> uh, that kind of sounds like uh, a similar That's situation. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, that is exactly what happens. And I find that the opportunity to help them, they're looking for help. Maybe right. they have unfinished business or maybe they're just clueless. They don't understand what to do. And your job is to tell them. And once you start using the crossing over prayer, and I do this with, I, with parents with psychic children, who are seeing all these ghosts everywhere. And, you know, one parent wants to put them on drugs and one parent wants to put them on television. I mean, it's crazy. It's a very simple fact. Just, it's a very simple action. Say the crossing over prayer, whenever the child sees a ghost, keep it on your phone. It's an audio book, make it quick, make it easy. And you have helped your child and you've taught your child service to others living or dead. Do you think if somebody sees ghost, if somebody, if, let's say we have a psychic child, um, do we encourage that? Do we, I mean, do we allow them to grow with that? Do it. I do think it we absolutely allow them to grow with that because they still remember being a spiritual being. And um, some children grow out of it. I mean, yeah. I would say, let me let me offer a different perspective. A hundred percent of us have psychic ability. It's not for me. It's not a gift. It's not like I can give it back. You can't drive a car. You can't drive a submarine. You can't drive a ship or a bus or you can't be a cop. You can't be a doctor. You can't be a mechanic without psychic ability because you sense it, you feel it, you know it. You know that guy's gonna change lanes, you just know it. Well, you wouldn't want to lose that. And as people grow up, sometimes that ability lingers and sometimes it just kind of isn't, it's there as a subroutine, you kind of know it. But sometimes an event occurs that just brings it all to the surface and it's no longer just a simple subroutine in your brain. Now it's in the forefront. Your third eye starts to grow and you can do new things every day, which is kind of what happened to me. My life just, it's like everything exploded when I met my husband. It's like doors opened up and 
something about meeting him and and that building that relationship with my husband opened the door to a tremendous number of psychic experiences so you know it's kind of psychic as a child but man when i when i met my husband it's like somebody just said uh okay time for her to really go to work now we're gonna really push this so if you have psychic ability if you have a child with it and you work with them gently and kindly they may grow out of it it'll be just fine if you're calm and cool about it if it doesn't grow out of it you need to work with someone who is not going to call them you know some gifted child and you are always the parent you're always responsible the child needs to learn what to do with that ability and how best to serve humanity it's not a gift it's a responsibility you have to use it wisely well how on that same note how do we as the living help the dead how do how can we i mean i've been there when somebody's died and i've held their hand i've been the last person before they took a breath so to speak and um I was there for them. I, I just was there. I mean, that's the best that I could do, or I was able to deliver a message. Um, what can we do? How, how do we help the dead? By doing exactly what you just did. Be there for them. Listen to the person who is dying. And I do have crossing over prayers for someone who is dying that the living can say for them and to help them right at that moment. It's really powerful. If you never heard of the crossing over prayer, you can't remember it and you didn't commit it to memory, ask for an angel to cross over this soul right now. It's that simple. Just do that. Say it repeatedly. I hereby request an angel to cross this person into the heaven world right now. That's it. It is huge, huge service. And I, like I say, I have a lot of protocols that keep me from being bombarded anymore that is always ser in service. It's like wearing a bulletproof vest. Kind of, a, a kind, lot. Kind of, it's a psychic bulletproof vest. There you go. I, I, it's a psychic bulletproof vest so that you are not influenced. And some of the influences are very detrimental. They're really horrendous. So you have to be very mindful of what you're dealing with. And you don't, I don't flip cards. I don't tell futures. I don't do readings. I help people in with unusual things. But I'm really, really careful of karmic law. I understand that. Um, when's the first time you saw a ghost, may I ask? I was seven. I saw my Siamese who was hit by a car. And she kept coming to me because she didn't understand. And she wanted me to pick her up. And I could see her very clearly. So your Siamese cat? She was my Siamese cat. She was my best cat. friend. Yeah, I couldn't be. Yeah, I relate to that. Um, I'm an animal lover. Well, my whole family is, but we had three cats. They were with us for, well, four if you count Max. They were with us an average of about 18 years. It was very difficult when they passed. Um, I had a couple other questions in regard to the... Um, well, by the way, there's a crossing over prayer for animals. For animals as well. That's a good because thing. Because of my Siamese cat issue, there is a crossing over prayer for a beloved animal. And, and you have these things in your books too, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes here, but um, those prayers are available for people to be able to obtain for themselves so they can help somebody. Yes. And then, mm -hmm. as you said, it can help somebody whether you see a ghost or feel a ghost or feel a presence, an attachment, <laughs> or whether or not somebody's passing and um, you can help them from that perspective. Exactly. Uh, 
and again, we can talk about that here in a second. Um, there was a question in a list of questions that you had available that I thought was very fascinating. Uh, if you don't know, it says if your house is haunted and you don't know the ghost that's haunting that house, <coughs> what do you recommend somebody do um, first in order to kind of at least figure it out, find it out, or get some help? Well, <clears throat> a lot of people are very fascinated with the fact that a house is haunted and who the ghost is. <clears throat> you may pause for a second. Yeah. So in regard to um, uh, the haunted houses, how can we, if we don't know that person, or if we feel that we're being haunted, what's the first step somebody should take? The first step I would do would be just to get, it's it's on the ghosthelpers.com website, Crossing Over Prayer is free on that website. If you If you want to have it, available it's on an audio book but i would say the crossing over prayer and say it repeatedly walk through every room in the crossing over prayer book there are prayers for removing a dark intelligence because right now you don't know if that's a ghost you don't know if it's some other dark intelligence you don't know if someone was doing terrible rituals there was a story of a house that was horribly haunted in Colorado and a serial killer was had owned the house and murdered his victims in the living room. And nobody bothered to tell the new owners. It was horrible. I did try to reach out to them, but I was not successful in, in reaching them. I mean, these un unbelievable situations happen. There's also in the Crossing Over Prayer book, a dark intelligence removal prayer. You have a simple haunting. Somebody died in the house. It's a grandparent. You're trying to, you're a real estate agent and the owner died in the house. Just use the crossing over prayer. It's fine. If you're sensing something darker, use the dark intelligence removal prayer. If you live, let's say you live in the Southern United States where everything is haunted like South Carolina, I would recommend there's a cross, there's a prayer for clearing the stacks of time. You have Revolutionary War dead, 1812 dead, Civil War dead, slave dead, indentured servant dead, and just general people who die by whatever means. So you have what are called stacks or levels of time. Those need to be cleared on that property. You can't do somebody else's but you can do that property and that prayer will help you clear the property. If there's something dark, you can remove the darkness and you remove the ghosts. It becomes a process, but you can do it yourself. Sounds like a lot of work, but it's been beneficial in the long run because this way it does move somebody forward and the negativity leaves the house. And even if it happens to be a positive for the fact that you can help somebody again, cross over, give them closure, as well, because that soul exactly. gets closure, in my opinion, mm -hmm. it would get closure as well. Um, I know that you've written a number of books in regard to all of this car, everything we've talked about with ghost and karma and um, 
uh, helping people cross over and so forth. <clears throat> Can we talk a little bit about those? I know that I put four of them up here, uh, four of the ones that I, I was really resonating with when I looked through your book list, uh, but I know you have more. I do have more, and I, the grief book helps you understand that everyone's grieving, and it discusses a great deal of types of grief. If your house burns down, you're grieving. If you lost your job, you're grieving. If somebody's neighbor commits suicide, what do you say? And this book has prayers in it, and it also helps you understand what do you do. Uh, Soul Evolution, Past Lives, and Karmic Ties really begins to explain, it helps people understand why we're here and that we are evolving as souls. And the more spiritual service we can perform, even at the simplest level, the better it is and how karma comes back to us. And it, a lot of it is, is tied in with past lives, even if you're not conscious of it. Ghost stories, I have, that's a three volume set, ghost stories from the ghost point of view, volumes one, two, and three, and it's what it's like to be dead. Why some people don't cross over the despair looking at ghost stories from from various stacks of time there are some ghost stories that go back through a particular location and will have several different stacks of time ghosts from different stacks of time that don't see each other have no idea each other is there and so it's a it's a challenging task to go back and clear ghosts from multiple periods of time that one is somewhat challenging, but it happens. Of course, the crossing over prayer. I also have karma and frequency. Again, everything is frequency. And the Lightworker's Guide to Everyday Karma is another one. It has 52 different elements or vignettes of how karma works in everyday life, from car karma to the archaeology of the soul. You know, it brilliant titles, by the way. Um, what's your website, please, before I go forward? Ghost, ghosthelpers.com. Helpers with an S, because we're all going to help each other. Which is, which is a brilliant way of looking at life and death, actually. I think yes. that uh, death is inevitable, and uh, life is inevitable. So I think it's a nice mixture of, uh, of what we need to do to participate in both ends of it. Um, and I'll make sure that the link for the, your website and for everything else that you provide, because I know that you do provide services for people uh, who mm -hmm. are seeking help and who need help with uh, getting people to pass on. Can you tell me briefly about that? Yes, I, I help people who have sometimes very unusual spiritual problems. Sometimes they... Uh, I, as an example, someone who feels like they were a twin, but they... There is no twin, but they feel like there's somebody else with them. That has enormous ramifications. People who feel like their uh, parent is haunting them or they felt haunted all their lives by something. It doesn't have to just be a haunting. Someone who's on a spiritual path or suffered severe childhood trauma. Some of those, by understanding things on another level, can really be helped really really be helped and that information is available on your website as well um, which yes. again, i'll provide a link to that in uh, show exactly. notes and, and on the website for everything um 
<clears throat> Tim, it's been a brilliant conversation. We could talk for a whole nother hour, I'm sure. Um, I love the fact that, that what you've been able to, to bring to us. I hope that we've been able to kind of educate and motivate and inspire people who are experiencing any one of these things that we just spoke about. Because at one point in our life, at some point in our life, we are going to experience it. Uh, I think that you've provided some tools and some wisdom and opportunity to help us get closure, as well as to uh, help move those that we love onto uh, the next level. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share these concepts. And my sincerest hope is that if anyone is suffering from a haunting or worried about a child who has died or a loved one who has died, don't let someone hunt them as ghost hunters do. Help them. We can help them. It is, it is the compassion every single one of us will want for ourselves. And Michael, again, I can't thank you enough for allowing me to share these ideas. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm honored to have you on the show. This is one more thing you go. One thing you go. One more thing before you go. Let me try that in English. <laughs> this is one more thing before you go. Do you have any words of wisdom that you can share with us before we leave? <clears throat> Life is a wonderful opportunity. And you grow in soul evolution when you look at how you can make life better for others in even the smallest way, whether it's a smile or a helping hand, when you can evolve to the point where you're not afraid to help the dead, you have truly arrived to a wonderful level. Brilliant words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing those. And thank you again for coming on one more thing before you go. I look forward to another conversation with you. I think we can expand on so many more things. Yes, we sure can. So thank you very much. And I will talk to you in a very near future, I hope. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.